It's so good to be here today. I've had the pleasure of, uh, of knowing your pastors, uh, Pastor Jim and Shelley. We actually, we really got acquainted at the uh, Rama retreats every, every year in uh, Lancaster. And we kind of really hit it off over there. Every time we see each other, we end up sitting together and chewing the fat and talking about all kinds of good things. But uh, they're really great people and uh, they're full of faith. Amen? Amen. amen, amen. But it's good to be here today at this church. You know, I, um, well, I think that bio said I retired. No, I resigned from American Airlines after 18 years. And boy, that was a leap of faith. We lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> and we moved back to New Jersey, of all things, and pioneered a church. Uh, my wife and three young children, but God. How about while, while um, anytime I say, but God, will you shout, but God, back at me? All right, but God. There you go. I, I didn't hear everybody. But God. <laughs> All right. Well, praise the Lord. It's, it is good to be here. Uh, yeah, I, I retired from pastoring about, uh, about a year and a half now, after 32 years of the pastor. And uh, I loved every minute of it. But it was time to retire. And uh, I recently just turned 75 years old. But I feel good. You know, I feel good. You know, me and, well, James Brown don't feel so good anymore. Well, I hope he does if he's in with the Lord. But I, a guy in our church used to say, yeah, me and James Brown, we feel good. <laughs> but anyway, are you ready for the word of God today? Amen. Let me see, how much time do I have? Can I, they said, as long as I get you out of here by three, it'll be good. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, I'm only kidding on that. Let's have a word of prayer and... Uh, we'll get right into this, uh, into the Word of God. Uh, Father, we bless you and thank you for the opportunity to be here at Andover Christian Center. And we thank you for the Word of God that lightens up our heart, brightens our day, and we give you thanks for it. The entrance of your Word brings light. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. I want to welcome everybody on Facebook. I got a lot of friends on Facebook. So any out there, if you recognize me, hey, say, say hi to me somewhere. And we're in other places, too. I like Facebook. How many of you like Facebook? Well, some do, some don't. That's okay. But I like Facebook because I found friends on there that go all the way back to when I was in the Air Force. And I got out in 67. And uh, I found a friend that I knew from grammar school. I know a bunch of people that I worked with at American Airlines. I know a lot of people I went to Bible college with. Amen. But, you know, uh, I'm out there and... Churches right now are all under fire, everywhere. I, I've been to a number of churches, pastors have invited me in to speak, and, and it's the same thing everywhere I go, that there's, there's difficulty in the church right now. But God, thank you very much, that was a test. But God, but God, see I said it again, there's always an answer with God. I don't watch much of the news anymore. You know, I learned something from Brother Hagin one time. He said, if you listen to someone talk for five minutes, you could locate them. Meaning that if you let them talk for five minutes, you'll find out exactly where they're coming from and where they're going. So I, I schedule my news in the morning. I program it. And after five minutes, I shut it off. I say, all right, I heard all I'm going to hear. Because everything after that is repetition. And it's their point of view. It's too negative. How many of you know it's better to look and see what God has to say about what's going on out there? Amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, let's turn over to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 16, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 13. When Jesus came, oh, I heard pages turning. Oh, I love that. You know, we don't hear much of that anymore. We used to say, uh, we used to have a thing, hold up our Bibles and have a confession of faith, people holding up phones, iPads. And I said, wow, times have changed. You say, turn to, you don't hear much of it anymore. Who's turning pages? That whole front row, they're all page turn over there too. Glory to God. Anyway, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus answered and said to him, verse number 17, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I'm hearing all kinds of things out there now, and, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I got something in the mail the other day, an advertisement, I could buy a face mask with my initials on it. <laughs> I'm serious about that. They're trying to make this a permanent thing. No, it's going to pass. It's not going to be here forever. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We believe that God, we believe the report of the Lord, and, and this is not the way it's supposed to go. Amen? It's going to end. But you know, I, I, the, the title of my message is it's kind of like twofold. Is the church challenged? Yes. But Jesus said, I will build my church. He's going to build his church. Let me tell you something. This. The, the churches are being challenged in every way possible. But God's people have always been under fire. How many of you know that? If you read your Bible, you find out all the way back into the, the Old Testament. God's people were always under fire. There was always some kind of bad thing that was happening to God's people. But God, thank you, but God always brings us through. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And so whatever it is that's going around right now, this cannot last. It cannot last. You know, let's look at the children of Israel, for instance. Let's look at the, what they went through. First of all, they had 430 years in Egypt. 400 of those years, they were in bondage to the Egyptians. They were slaves in Egypt. 400 years of that. And then we see the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity. We're going to look at some of these things today. 70 years they were in captivity to the Babylonians. Over 400 years, they were under Roman occupational rule in Israel, until finally in 70 AD, the Romans had enough of them. They destroyed everything, drove them out of the country. Not all left, some hid out, tore down the temple and drove them out. And last but not least, what happened just in the last century, the Holocaust. But you know, in all of these things, the church is under fire today. And things are happening in the church today, but God is still God. He's on his throne. God didn't get off the throne. I'll tell you something else. God is not surprised at all of this. He's not surprised. We seem to be a little bit surprised, and every time we turn the news on, we got a little bit more to be surprised about. But God was never surprised with all of what's going on right now, and he already has a plan for us. You know, when I look at this here, hard times can't stop God's people, and it can't, can't stop God, and it can't stop his people. Consider the children of Israel when they were in the bondage in Egypt for 40 years, and the ten, ten plagues came. They were in the land of Goshen. Only the first three plagues affected them. The Nile turning into blood, the frogs that came, and the lice. After that, they were not affected by the plagues. So although we, the children of God, are being affected by this, it's not going to overtake us. It might cause a lot of havoc, a lot of problems, a lot of discouragement to a lot of people. There's a lot of fear going on in a lot of people. But we cannot let that get us down because that's not from God. God has not given us, right, the spirit of fear, but of what? The power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And so we look at these things and say, yeah, these things are happening. But the children of Israel, the, the rest of the plagues that came, they got worse in intensity. People died. Their livestock died. Their crop died. And then their firstborn were killed. And meanwhile, the children of Israel were in Goshen. They were not affected by the last seven of the plagues. They only got affected by the first three that didn't take any lives because they were God's people. And we could look at that and say, yeah, there's trouble going on right now, but God. Right. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's go over to the book of, of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, let's go to the 11th chapter. Oh, I love this. I'm going to read this about the Apostle Paul and what he went through. <laughs> Here's his resume. In case he ever sends you an email, wants to know if you want to go with him on a on another missionary trip. <laughs> Here's his resume for travel. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in debts often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils, 
of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Hello. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Wow. How do you like to come up to your brother and say, hey, I'm going on a trip. Uh, uh, we're, we're leaving in, in another couple of weeks. Would you like to come with me? We'll be gone about six months. After looking at that resume, I said, I don't think so. I don't think I want to go with you. I don't feel led. <laughs> right? But you know, he says here, and it's a little bit misunderstood. He says, most of all, he's concerned about the churches. What he really means, he's concerned about the people in the churches. The church is a twofold thing that we can look at. There's the universal church, which is the body of Christ, believers everywhere, all over the world. We are the church all over the world. Then there's the local church, like such as Andover Christian Center right here. There's a local church. There's various local churches in different cities, in different locations, different places. But it's all the same thing, where it's a collection of believers that are together. And what, what he's saying here is that my biggest concern always, you know, in one place he says that he went back out on a, on a trip and to make rounds of all the churches to see how they do. He was interested in how are the people coming along. Even when they established the work in, in, in Crete, he sent Titus in there, and he tells him, well, now, now, Titus, when you go there, now, don't worry about it, son. The King James says, they were all evil beasts and slow bellies. This witness is true. They were a bunch of drunkards. They were carousers. They were brutal. They were, they were violent. And he sends Titus there, and he waves to him as leaving. Bye-bye, Titus. I'll see you. And record has it, he never went back. But you know what? Titus brought Christ to those people over there. It changed their life, changed the way they thought, changed their mannerisms. Men became better men. Women became better women. Children became subject to parents. But why? Because the word works. The word works. And so we look at this. Now let's go back to the book of Exodus. Let's look at our friend Moses. Let's go back to Exodus, the third chapter. We're going to read verse... 1 through 6, and then verses 11 and 12. I'm in the New King James, by the way. Oh, wow, look at that. You got it back there for me. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. That was his turning point. He turned to look. He could have ignored it, but he turned to look. You know, once we look, aha, aha, once we look into the face of Jesus, there's no looking the other way again. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. You could hear all about him. You could read books all about him, but when you meet him, it's a whole new ball game, right? Then Moses said, I will not turn aside to see this great sight. Why? The bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Wow. Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Amen. You know, I look at this here. Moses recognized God was interested in his life. Moses recognized God was coming into his life. It was the same way when you and I turned to look at Jesus Christ. When we looked at him, he looked right into our soul, didn't he? When we looked at him, he looked right down deep inside of us, didn't he? I don't know, every, we all, if we were to share testimonies, we'd be here for the next month because there's so much that could be said about all of our testimonies. But as for me, when I looked at Christ dying on the cross of Calvary in the Gospel of Matthew, I, I totally surrendered where the scripture said, and they crucified him. I died right there with him. Because I looked at that and I said, man, there ain't a thing about me that's worth a pound of salt. 
I was in this lonely little shop at American Airlines, a sandblasting shop. That's another story. 22 different machines wouldn't run until I got saved. <laughs> That's the God's honest truth. They wouldn't work until I got saved. And I never forget that. I read that I said, oh, God. I said, Lord, there, there isn't a thing about me that's worth a pound of salt. Man, Jesus, you are nothing but good. I'm a mess. And I called out to him. I said, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Ah. Moses had his defining moment. We all had our defining moment when you surrendered what you were to become what he designed you and, and purposed you to be. And your life turned around, and it's right, it's never been the same. My father, bless his heart, he got saved at, let's see, he got saved at 71 years old. And, and he said to me afterwards, he said, boy, I tell you, Joe, if I'd have known all I know now about God and Jesus and given my life to him, I think I would have avoided a lot of aggravation all my life. I said, you got that right, Pop. You got that right. He would have made better choices. When God is on our side, we become smarter, don't we? We know enough not to go to hell, that's for sure. Amen? <laughs> And I look at this here and I see that, that, that God came into his life and Moses was changed. He was never the same again, if you read the rest of the account of his life. My goodness. We're not going to go there. We're not going to turn to but you can just write this down. Daniel 3, 13 through 30, the three Hebrew children as they called them. We're not going to turn to the scriptures because it's a lot to read in there. But what happened there with, with them is old Nebuchadnezzar had this great big thing built, this statue, and he said, whenever they play music anywhere, when you hear the psaltery and the harp and whatever you hear, you got to face in that direction. you got to bow down and worship it. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I don't think so. We're not going to do that. Well, Nebuchadnezzar hauled them into the court. Boy, he was mad at them. He threatened them. I'm going to throw you in the furnace if you don't. They said, well, if it be so, our God is more there. He got so angry. He went into a rage. He said, make that thing seven times hotter and threatened to throw them in there and they weren't afraid to get thrown in. If it be so, our God is more than able to deliver us. Amen. You know, and it says that they bound them. Go back and read it. They didn't just tie his hand, their hands together and their feet. Man, they wrapped these guys up in rope. Even, they even wrapped rope around their head where their hat was. Go read it for yourself. He, they, 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 were, they were going nowhere at all. And it was so hot that when they threw them in there, the men that threw them in, they died from the heat. And then old Nebuchadnezzar gets over and he bends down, he looks in there, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three men in there? I see three walk around and a fourth man. Why, that looks like the Son of God. They brought them out of there, the ropes were burned off and they didn't even smell the smoke. Why? They knew God was with them. And regardless of what we look at today, what's going on around us, God is with us. God was with Moses. God was with them. The word of God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus, in reference to sending the Holy Spirit, he said, I'll not leave you as orphans. He sent us the Holy Spirit. Another place we can look at, we're not going to turn there, but, but just write it down. Genesis 18, verse 17 through 33. Abraham gets word when God sees that Abraham as being a righteous man. Amen. He says, shall I hide from him that thing that I'm going to do? And he reveals to him that he's going to bring fire and brimstone down on the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right away, Abraham starts interceding, starts bargaining with God. Lord, would you do that if there's 50 in there? Well, no, I won't do it if there's 50 in there. And he says, well, you know, God, uh, uh, will, you, will you do that if there's 45 righteous left there? No, I won't for 45. I won't do that. He says, well, you know, uh, how about if there's 20 in there? I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. And God says, no, I won't. He says, well, all right. Uh, he says, how about 10? No, I won't. That's when people say, you know, there's going to be a fault out there on the West Coast, and California's going to fall in the ocean. Not as long as there's at least one believer there. That's not going to happen. So he bargained with him for the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, filled with sin. What is that message to us? That we are the, we are the body of Christ. We are the people of God, and this country needs a lot of prayer. It needs a lot, a lot of prayer, doesn't it? And we need to be, you know, I'm, I'm hearing more and more, I'm, I'm hearing more and more people, <laughs> Christians are saying, come Lord Jesus. Whoa, now just wait a minute, there's a lot of lost out there. You know, he'll come when he's ready to come. 
And they're, they're, people are writing on Facebook, you know, you know, God is warming up the trumpet, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know, there's a lot of Christians right now, they're saying, come Lord Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I have grandchildren. My youngest is only a year old and my oldest is going to be 18 this week. And boy, I tell you, if the rapture came and took us all, well, then good, they won't have to live through what this world could be. But not as long as we're here. They can do what they want to do after we're gone. Have I got a witness on that? They want to go nuts and kill everybody and just go crazy. Not as long as we're here. We're God's people. And we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus made that very clear, that we make a difference. Salt adds flavor and it preserves. And as long as we're here, we have breath, we can pray, we could bind, we could loose. We can call the things that be not as though they are. See, your pastors went to Ramah like I did. And you folks are hearing it from them, so I'm not speaking anything you haven't heard already. But there's a purpose for us here. And we look at Abraham here and we say, wow, you know, there's a reason for us being here. Prayer is needed for this country now more than ever. You know, some people, they watch the news, they get mad. I watch the news, I get sad. And I say, my God, you know, we, we need to be praying because there's, they're just going crazy out there. There's, there's hatred abounding everywhere. You know, you know, in the beginning when all this stuff started happening, I used to say to my wife, hate is strong. And I, 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 got, I got that from an old Christmas hymn. I heard the bells on Christmas Day where the line says, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But ring the bells more loud and clear. He says, God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The right, the wrong will fail, the right prevail. As long as we're here, we can make a difference to this world. We are the restrainer that's keeping, keeping the devil at bay. We are the restrainer that's not, re not revealing the Antichrist because we have the Holy Spirit on us. That's the one that's holding this all back. So as long as we're here, we must tarry and hold our ground. Amen. Let's look over here. Well, the bottom line of all that is Jesus said, I will build my church, both universally and locally. And I know that, you know, I go to churches, I go to a lot of churches. The, the scene is the same. And I know some of you that are part of this church, you're watching on, on YouTube or uh, Facebook or wherever you're watching this. I'm glad that you're watching this because it's important that we're all in this together. And you can make a difference. You may not be here in person, but you're hearing this. And the message is true for, for wherever you are and whoever you are. But let's look at a few other things here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number four. Let's start to bring this thing around home to where we are now. We're in the church age. We are the body of Christ. Amen. The book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let's look at verse number 11. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are Christians. To be a Christian, we're called out to be Christ-like. Right. How many of you remember the movie, <laughs> The Wizard of Oz? How many of you, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. How many of you ever get tempted to tell somebody off? Notice my hand went up before yours. <laughs> How many remember the scene when old Elmira Gulch comes around and she's going to take Toto away? Oh, and Dorothy is pleading and begging with her, and Auntie M is trying to bargain with Elmira Gulch, and she's, I'm going to take your little dog. You know, that's what she said when she was the witch later, and your dog, too. And, you know, and she went on and on about taking the dog, and she had a back, and Dorothy is just beside, please, 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 Auntie M, the little dog. And they put it in, and Dorothy runs away crying, and, and Auntie M looks and says, Elmira Gulch, you might own most of the property in this county, and I've been waiting 22 years to give you a piece of my mind. Well, being a Christian woman, I just can't. <laughs> and so she kept her mouth shut and walked away. And old Elmira looked at Uncle Henry, and he just kind of stayed, 
kind of sheepishly <laughs> fidget with his, his hat and scratched his head. See, we're not here to tell people off. We're here to tell them about God. Tell them the goodness of God and what God can do and what God does. I look back over the Old Testament. Oh, my God. I remember when I was, a first, when I was first a Christian, I was a brand, brand new in the Lord, and uh, I, you know, I started reading some stuff in the Old Testament, and I remember I read the book of Judges. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, and I'm reading it, and I see, oh, my gosh, look at them. They're going to idolatry. What is this? Oh, wait, oh, oh, did God raise up and deliver? Hey! <laughs> and, he, and they go through all of that, and he the deliver, delivers them. Hey, everybody's happy. Yeah, let's have a party. And then after that, you know, the next chapter, and then they started fidgeting with this devil and that devil and that God. I said, oh, no. And then they get taken captive again under oppression. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, on God's center of the way. And I was up and down through that whole book. I was weeping. I was crying. I was cheering. And I get to the end, and it ends on a sour note. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did that was right in his own eyes. I said, oh, my God. Oh, no. What's going to happen to them next? Well, they had succession of kings, some good, some not so good, some bad, some really bad, like that Ahab and Jezebel. I've never met a woman named Jezebel. No one has the guts to name their daughter Jezebel. <laughs> amen, amen. I don't know. Have any of you ever met someone named Jezebel? Women have been called a Jezebel. Not anymore. Now they have other names for them. <laughs> but anyway. She was nasty, you know, and old Ahab was a spineless guy, you know, but he was mean, and she was turning his head this way and that way, and my God, finally she fell, and that was the end of her, right? But, you know, there's always been something bad happening, and it affects God's people, but God, God has a way of getting them out of this whole thing. You know, when I look at this here, and the Word of God is saying here that, that uh, God has an answer, and it's in his people. We are Christ. We're all members in particular, right? We're part of the body of Christ. And he's anointed. And such a time as this. As bad as this all is, God was not surprised that this happened. God is still speaking to his people. Somebody say amen. amen. God is still impressing things on his people. God is still calling people to prayer. He's telling us when to speak up, when to, be sh when to shut up. But just because he says shut up doesn't mean shut up in prayer. We still talk to God. We can talk to him anytime. How many remember the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Old Tevye, everywhere he walks. Hey, God, did you see what they said? Hey, is that, is that? You know? And one time he's walking along, pulling the milk cart with the horse or whatever, and he gets to his house and says, well, I'm, uh, I got to go in now. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> And, you know, I was impressed with the guy. I said, you know, people look at this and they might laugh, but don't laugh. We can't talk to God like that. <laughs> you could walk around the house. Yeah, I wake up in the morning now. For many years, my feet would hit the floor and I'd say, hallelujah. Now I wake up, I say, good morning, Father. It's me. You can do that. It's me. He knows who you are. He knows exactly where you are, who you are, where you've been. Amen. He's that close. He's as close as the mention of his name. He's living on the inside of us. In the Old Testament, it was the prophet, the priest, and the king that had anything, and the anointing would come on them. Not like that goofy movie that they made with Victor Mature on Samson where he was bending swords. No, he never did that. Only when the Spirit of God came on Samson was he strong. But we've got an anointing on us to get the job done. We're not the same as we were before. And when we realize that, that, as Moses turned to see that bush, and then God said, I got your attention. Here's what I got for you. Here's what I want you to do. Remember, Moses, oh, I can't do all these things. Well, nobody said you can do these things, but God will do it through you. And that's the same thing now. Some things haven't changed because God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. We're singing that song today, Margaret. Right? That was good. I was listening over there. I said, yeah, that's right. No matter what's going on, God doesn't change. God doesn't say, oh, my gosh, look what happened. No. <laughs> I used to tell people when they screw up, mess up, they say, you act like God got off the throne because you blew it. Come on. 
God is still on his throne in all things and in everything. But God, thank you. Let's look at a couple more things over here. So the church is challenged today as never before. But Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to try to, or I'm hoping to, or I think I will. He said, I will. I will build my church. That means he's working to will and to do of his good pleasure in you, in me, in all of us together, corporately. All of you watching on Facebook now that are part of Andover Christian Center. If you're not part of Andover Christian Center, you live in the area, come on out. There's a place here for you. Amen. Amen. Let's look at something else over here. You know, I pastored for 32 years. I loved pastoring. I did. I did because God gave me a love for people. And if you don't love people, don't be a pastor. You know, I, I, this is a joke that I'm going to tell you, all right? This is a joke about this, this, uh, this, uh, 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 this church board was meeting one day about something, and finally somebody said, you know, we'd have a pretty good church here if it wasn't for all these people. <laughs> but, you know, people are important. We're the carriers of the good news. You know, my wife and I, i never forget, we, um, we went to England and we did a, a healing seminar there for a whole week. And I didn't know the people there. Uh, I knew a young couple that, he was from England, but he finished college in the United States and he married an American and they moved back, they moved back to England and he was going to go to college then in England. I knew them, but I didn't know anybody else there. But when I got into that church and there was all these people from England, I'd never known them, but there's, there was an instant connection, instant bond. You know what I'm talking about? You can go across the country and go to the other side of the world. You meet another Christian, there's a connection. Why, Jesus said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. And we went there and we were right at home with all of those people. Oh, they talked a little different than us, a little bit. We talked different than them according to them. Well, say, well, this is, the way, this is the way the English language is really spoken. They said, you, you speak some other thing over there, across the pond. <laughs> but they were delightful people, loving people, God's people. And we had great times with them. We saw healings take place, wonderful things happen, all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing's changed. God is still God. And that don't ever change. That don't sound like good English, but it makes good sense. Over here, let's, let's look, let's back, where did I say to go, Acts 20? All right, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Like I said, I was a pastor, and I loved pastoring. I don't miss it in the sense that I don't miss all the work involved and all this and that, but I miss the people that, that were under my pastor. I miss them, and some of them, they still stay in touch with me, and, uh, and, and that's a good thing, but they need to be what they are now with a new pastor, Amen. Amen. But here in verse number 28, Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church which God, he purchased with his own blood. Amen. And in the, in the, in the King James Bible, can we get that in the King James? Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. Your pastor's here. Their job is to feed you the word of God. I never forget when I first went into pastoring, a, another pastor friend said to me, Joe, there's really basically three things that we do for our people. We, we love them, we pray for them, and we feed them the word of God. He said, as long as we maintain that, they'll grow and, and, and their life will change. And that's our job. And that's, that's your pastor's job here. You know, when I, I look at this, let's, let's, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, yes, 1 Corinthians 12. And it talks about ministry gifts in here. Actually, you can get a, a, another set of all this in Romans chapter 12, but we're not going to go there on this today. But in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, actually, let's start in verse number 12. Yes, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that body being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, 
whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and, and all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many's, but many. And he, he goes on and he says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, would there be hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And they were all one, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. Many members. You know, in the scripture it says that God, you know, we, we, we don't, in the Lord, we don't decide our destiny. We discover it. God reveals it to us. You know, I, I was sharing with, with uh, Max and, and Hannah last night. I think I, I did. Uh, maybe I said it just briefly. But, you know, when I first got saved, uh, we only had two children. When, we first, when I, my wife got saved two days before me reading the 700 Club, then I got saved two days after that out on the job. You figure. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. And I was playing, as I used to say, going in a nowhere fast rock and roll band. <laughs> we had more rehearsals than jobs. But we were good. <laughs> it was all the rehearsals. And, uh, you know, when I first got saved, I, I, I went before the Lord and I said, I said, Father, Lord God, help me to be a better husband to my wife and a better father to my children. That was the first thing. I, I, I said, God, I just, you know, I, I've, I've fallen so short up until now. But, but I believe that with your help, I could be a better man. I could treat this lady right. I know I'll do right with my kids. You know, then we had another child also. And, and, you know, and, and then that was the first thing. And then I made it a point to be in church all the time and get my family into church with me. Praise God. You know, my youngest one was in the nursery. He was little. You know, and, and we were in church. And then the Lord started prompting me about getting involved with the church. And I used to play a Hammond organ. I had a Hammond B3. Ooh. I had a Hammond B3 and I played sax with this band. And uh, so I brought this Hammond organ home, sitting in my house. And my wife said to me, What do you do with that thing? You know, why don't you sell it? No, no, I think I need to. No, no, I'm going to keep it. No. She said, Well, you know, this is a professional piece of equipment. You don't buy it to put it in your house. I said, No, 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 no just leave it there, you know. And so one day in the church, you know, uh, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord, show me what, I want to get involved in the church, you know. Show me what area, show me what area. I don't want to pick anything. And the worship leader got up one day and says, we, we have room here for an organist in the church. If you're an organist, uh, uh, fill out an application in the back and uh, we'll give you a call. I said, glory to God, yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go in the back of the church. There's the big rack. It was a big church. All these applications. Ah, music. I pick it up and God says, no, put it back. I said, yes, sir. I dropped it right back in. So we get out in the car. My wife says, did you fill out that form? I said, no. I said, why not? You said you couldn't wait to fill it out. I said, well, I don't know. I picked it up and God said, no, put it back. She said, really? I said, yeah, that's not it. And then one day the pastor was giving an altar call and he had people stand up and we prayed and he said, every head bowed, no looking around. Well, I opened my eyes and I looked around. <laughs> and I saw somebody stand up way over on the other side, a young woman accepting Christ and she had her hands over her face and she was crying and a woman counselor came to put her arm around her and led her away and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to get involved with altar workers. My first thought was, you know, like Moses. I said, I don't know how to do that. And he said, you'll learn. And that's where God wanted me, to be involved with people and their lives. And then God gave me the desire of my heart anyway. I always, I always wished I could have a steady gig in the band. I wanted to be part of a house band someplace. Never have to move that ham and organ around anymore. That thing is 400 pounds. And, and all that. So he let me play in the church for 32 years. Hello. <laughs> I was part of the house band. <laughs> Had a good time doing it too.
all to the Lord. And so we are God's people. And what's going on around us now, God's going to talk to you about how you can help make a difference. You might not be able to make a difference in whatever's going on in the large scale, but you can in individual lives. People that you know of, oh my gosh, I, call, I, I don't want to watch the news. I call it the media madness message of fear. And people are so riddled with fear, and God has not given us that spirit. And our job is, is when someone is beaten down and they're fearful. I mean, I went to a store one time, and, and I went in the wrong section, and the woman that worked there had an absolute fit. I had my mask on, too. Get out, get out. Yelled and screamed at me. My goodness, I said, wow, lady. Whew. I didn't give back to what she gave me, right? I'm like Auntie M, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Remember her? <laughs> and, and you know, and I, and I just walked away. But we can make a difference. Right within your family. On your job. In your neighborhood. In the grocery stores. We can make a difference. People need positive affirmation with all of this. Because this is what's going on right now. It's not going to be forever. We've got to help as many people get out from under the fear and the oppression that they're in. As much as possible. And that's our role. And if you listen to God, he'll show you who and how to, who to approach and how to approach people. To be a help. To be a blessing. To be an encourager. You know, the Lord put it on my heart. I retired from pastoring. And, and, and the Lord really put it on my heart to just, you know, go speak at different churches and be an encourager. I'm not your pastor. And I have confidence in your pastor. And your pastors, I know them both. I know they're doing the right things with you. They are. And thank God they, they went on vacation. They asked me to come. I said, I'd, I'd be happy to come. I'd be happy to come. And so here I am. And I'm still happy to be here. Amen. And we see here, that's, that's the pastor's job. But we're all part of the same thing. One person can't do it all. Teamwork gets the job done. You know, remember before I mentioned the universal church and the local church, right? The universal church is all across the world. And then we have the local church, such as... Andover Christian Center, and other churches throughout the country. Churches strategically in different cities, sometimes more than one in a city, but there's different kinds of people that every church will reach a certain type of people, what they're looking for from God. God will get them to the right place. Amen. And, and the local church, I always say it's the backbone to the universal church. We are the visible. See, the, the, the universal church, we can't see it, but we know it's out there. But we can see this. We can see the local church. We can see the sign out in the street. We can see when we come up here. We have chairs. It's tangible. We can touch it. We can feel it. Right. And the helps ministry in the church is the backbone of the local church. It's the backbone. I, I learned really fast in ministry when I first got into ministry to get some people involved because I, I can't do it all. There's two, there's two times a pastor sh shouldn't do something. When he can't and when he can't. When he can't do it because he doesn't, that's not, that's not something that he knows how to do. Like I, I, had, I had someone that ran my audio. Oh my gosh. Wow, what this guy did with audio. I mean, with cameras and wiring and, and internet connections and YouTube and this and life. I wouldn't even know where to begin, you know. I could barely find my way around on a cell phone. <laughs> and he had it all set up. So that's the time that I can't do it. Just like, I can't. I don't know how. Then there's times I can't because I shouldn't. I have to give myself over to making sure I'm on point with God on what the church as a whole needs to hear in their walk with God. That's the primary call on his life. And so we, we, we see in, in that here. You know, hard times don't last forever. You know, let's, <laughs> let's look at Psalm 137. We're going we're gonna to get ready to wrap this up. Let's go back to the book of Psalms here. Psalm 137. Boy, when I used to use the Bible, if I say turn to Psalms, my Bible had automatically opened up to it. Now I've got to scroll around to find it. Psalm 137. <laughs> okay. Before I read. <laughs> you know, the children of Israel, when they were in, in, in the bondage in Egypt, they were still running on the, the, the coattails and the, and the tail end of the Abrahamic covenant. They didn't have a place to worship. They, they didn't have anything like that. They, they, they knew God, and, and they all heard the story of, of, of God 
calling Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, got that Iraqi out of there and brought him over to Israel. <laughs> you know, and, or maybe he was an Iranian, I don't know, one or the other. And, uh, you know, he had an encounter with God, you know, and, uh, and, you know, he had an in with God, and people knew that, you know, the, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, and as things turned out, you know, they ended up in Egypt because of the whole deal with Joseph, you know, with the coat of many colors, and they ended up staying there because there was a famine. Well, that short visit turned into slavery and bondage for the next 400 years when another king arose that knew not Joseph, King James and said, no, all deals are off. Uh, no, 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 all deals are off. We need to make them work for us, work. So here they are, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, they're in that. They had, they had nothing to go by. They needed a deliverer, and God raised up Moses, right? Well, now Psalm 137 is written while they're in the Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians came in, tore down the temple, took all the gold, took everything they had, hauled them off across to Babylon and put them in bondage over there. They had no church. I mean, they had no temple, church, same thing. They had no place to go to worship. They weren't allowed to worship. They weren't allowed to do anything. Everything that they knew in their relationship with God was taken away. And I look around now, and I mean, I understand in California, you can't sing in church because you might spit on somebody. And, you know, and they're limiting how many people can come to church. And there's a lot of people that aren't in church because of it. But the difference between what they had in Babylon and us is we still have a church. And we're going to be back. Amen. Amen. They're going to start coming back. People are going to come back. They're going to come back. And new people are going to come. Because I believe God is dealing with people out there about getting saved, getting right with God, or backsliders, coming back, getting back with God. And they're going to come back. But they had nothing. Listen to this. Verse 1. Psalm 137, verse 1. We don't want to be like these folk. Okay? We don't want to be like them. But look at, look at the depth of discouragement and defeat that they became because they lost touch with everything. Verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. It's like they had cry parties. Let's all gather together and cry. <laughs> when we, we all, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Ah, oh, the good old days, remember? We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested a mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, How shall we sing the Lord's song? In a foreign land, they were so discouraged. Oh, my goodness. You know, and I don't, they were totally broken because of what happened to them. We can't be like them. Amen. My father got saved after I got saved, and I loved the man, but he wasn't so hot when, before he was saved when I was a kid. <laughs> But you know what? I got saved, and he got saved. My mother got saved, and my mother and I were another story. I joined the Air Force because I didn't like being told what to do at home. You figure. <laughs> right? How many veterans? I got any veterans out there? Uh, you know what I'm talking about anyway. I mean, the first day I got there, they called me all kinds of names I didn't know applied to me. <laughs> See, I thought my name was Joey. That's not what he said. <laughs> And, you know, but, you know, then my mother and father got saved, and, and, and we became close, loving, kind, communicating, praying with each other. i never forget. And I, I called my mother on the phone after I got saved, and she was not saved yet, and I called her. And I said, Mom, I just want to tell you something. She said, what? I said, I became a Christian. She said, so what does that mean? I said, well, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for not being a good son. And I'll never give you another minute's worth of grief the rest of your life. She was silent. And then she got saved a couple of years later after spending some time with my wife and I. 
she said, boy, that's got to be God he's got in his life. He, my son couldn't have changed that much. And they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and loved God. My mother never said she was sorry for anything she ever did, but she didn't need to. Jesus hung on a cross, right? Father, forgive them. I don't recall reading about the crowd yelling, hey, Jesus, we're sorry. They shook their head. They scorned them. They ridiculed them. When my father passed away, I was sitting with my old mother. She was about 90 years old, 93 years old or something like that, yeah. And I was holding her hand. She was very sad. And finally, she spoke up. She said, oh, Joe, I think I was too hard on you when you were a kid. I think I yelled at you too much. I think I hit you too many times. She was Italian. You know, my mother used to say, I hit you because I love you. Ooh, good thing you love me. And she said, I think I hit you too much, too. I'm so sorry. I said, oh, Ma, I'm OK. Don't worry about it. And besides, there's a lot of things I did you never knew about. You should have hit me more. <laughs> it's the power of the gospel. These people are broken in spirit, totally broken. Can I tell you? I want to tell you a story. I'm looking at the time. I'm OK. Um, I think I'm OK. I was in the Air Force, and I enlisted as a young 18-year-old right out of high school in 1963. I just turned 75 uh, earlier this month. I tell people I, look, I feel good for 39. <laughs> and in, in, in the early spring of 65, our whole bomb wing got shipped overseas to Guam. I was a ground crew mechanic on B-52 bombers. And somebody asked a stupid question, hey, Sarge, what are we going to do? He said, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to bomb the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong. What do you think we're going to do? We're going to drop bombs. we got bombers, right? We're going to drop bombs. Oh, yeah. So we get over there, and they tell us, our squadron commander, don't worry, gentlemen. We have foul weather gear coming because the monsoon season is approaching. You will have foul weather gear. And he described the monsoon. Anybody here ever been in a monsoon rain? Oh, you don't, you have? We used to say it slows down to a downpour. It rained for like two and a half months straight. The only problem is the foul weather gear never came. We had no foul weather gear. You know, uniform fatigues were out in the pouring rain and we'd be out there. Well, first of all, we had 15 bombers and they gave us 15 more we say, oh, well, we're going to get some more troops. No, we're not. we got to man these 30 airplanes now. And every day, half of them went out and bombed Vietnam, and we readied the others, and that's how it went. And we'd be out there working 35, 40 hours or more straight. And the Air Force and the military has a slogan, hurry up and wait. The airplanes are going to land at 1,400 hours. You will be out there. 1,200 hours at noon, but they're not going to land for two hours. So the truck would drive by and they'd yell out the next spot. We'd grab our toolbox, get out in this torrential rain, and wait for two hours or more with no shelter. Just standing there, like standing out in the middle of, uh, of uh, what's the baseball field the Red Sox play in? Fenway Park, yeah, in the middle of a ball field. It's like being stuck standing out in the middle of the field in a torrential downpour. There's nowhere to hide. I got to do it this way. I remember I had my toolbox, and I set my toolbox down. I used to smoke there. My cigarettes were in a plastic bag in my pocket. My, my wallet was in a plastic bag. The only thing that worked was my Zippo lighter. That thing will light anywhere. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Well, this, and I was sitting on my toolbox like this. And the rain was beating on my back. And it was, the water was running. You'd think I was sitting on a rock in a brook. The water was running around my feet like I was sitting in a brook. And i never forget, I lit up a cigarette. And I had my hand over the cigarette. Because the rain is coming down. I could still feel it. The good thing was, in 98 degrees, the rain is warm. i never forget sitting there, and the rain was beating down so bad, there wasn't a dry place on me. 
Nothing was, nothing was dry. And the rain, I'll never forget, it was dripping off my hat, hit me on the tip of my nose. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I heard myself say, someday I'm not going to be here. I said it again. Someday I'm not going to be here. I must have said it like 30 times in just total discouragement. I didn't know God then. And the rain just kept coming. And I just kept saying, someday I'm not going to be here. And we're all, you had to see all of us poor saps. We're just all standing out there like this, you know, in this pouring rain with nothing. Well, you know what? One day it stopped raining. I said, oh, what happened? Somebody said, monsoon scene's over, boy. Time to go squeeze, <laughs> squeeze out your fatigues, boy. <laughs> it's going to be dry now. And it ended. The children of Israel, as bad as it was, it did end. Regardless of what we're facing today, it's going to end. You know, when I, I look at this here, Psalm, almost, you're not going to, you don't have to turn it to Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This is going to pass. Things are going to get back to a much better state than what we have right now. We must not lose sight of who we are. We're God's people. We're God's people. Past a friend of mine wrote a book called Discouragement, um, Doubt, and Compromise. And, uh, you know, discouragement comes, it can come if you, if you major on a disappointment. Life has disappointments. There was an old song many, many, many years ago. Some of you might know it. Accentuate the positive. You got to accentuate the positive. Eliminate the negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. And, it, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. We need to hold fast who we are and what we are. We're the body of Christ. We're the church. We have a church here. And, you know, if, if you're not involved in anything, find, find some place to put your hand where they could use some help. So the pastor can keep saying, this is what God is saying to us in this church. Amen. And everybody could do their job. And everybody gets blessed. And it, 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 everyone, we all add to each other by being together. Like I said, when my wife and I went to England, we felt right at home with those people. And when we left, some of them had tears in their eyes. I thought I was going to have tears in my eyes. What a connection we made over there. It was wonderful. I want to go to one last place. Psalm 91. You know, I remember Brother Hagen teaching about the Ephesians prayers. Yeah. About put your name in or put someone else's name in. It works because you're speaking the word. This is something we can do with Psalm 91 if you're not doing it already. Put it in the, you know, put it in the first person. Put yourself in there. Use the words like I, me, mine. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers, and under his wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because, you have, because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all his ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against the stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent I shall trample underfoot. Because he has his love set upon me, therefore I will, de I will deliver him. Now God is speaking. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him. What God says, I will be with you in trouble and deliver you and honor you. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. So is the church challenged? Yes, but Jesus said, I will build my church. So what do we have to say about this? But God. Right? But God. I hope you got something out of this. I want to offer some prayer up. Maybe those of you that are watching, watching by uh, YouTube or if you're watching on Facebook or wherever it is you're watching. I'm Joe Catanese. I'm the guest here at, at Andover Christian Church. I want to encourage you in the Lord. If you're in this community, if you're not far from here, they say a church alive is worth the drive. Come on out. If you don't know the Lord, would you pray with me? Let's all pray together in here to encourage anyone who has not come to the Lord yet. Amen? Let's have this word of prayer together. Pray with me if you would. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I want to be a child of God. Save me now. And thank you. Thank you. Amen, amen. If any of you, um, Hannah is going to get up here in another couple of minutes here. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and I hope you did, heaven is just a prayer away. It was an old country western song, but it's the truth. Heaven is. It's just a prayer away. God has made it simple. A thief on the cross was dying next to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Can you say amen to that, everybody? Amen. amen, amen. I hope that this message was helpful and encouraging. Get out there and encourage somebody. There's people out there that are really having a tough time right now. They're full of a lot of fear. If you can help them get out of the fear that has them gripped. You know, a deer gets hit by a car because they freeze in fear. And that's their demise. If they weren't afraid, they'd jump out of the way, but unfortunately they don't. And there's a lot of people right now, they're afraid. You know, I, I can't tell people what to do, but I would suggest don't watch so much of the news. <laughs> Amen. Listen to God. Read his word. Find other people that believe and talk to them. Amen.